In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask you for pardon of my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Sunday's Gospel for the sixth Sunday of Easter has us within the Last Supper in the upper room, Jesus' discourse to his apostles on that specially moving occasion in which he gave them his last instructions and his promises too. He asked them to be faithful, to be his witnesses, but he also promised them the Holy Spirit. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I'm sure the apostles were asking themselves, what is this Holy Spirit? And their best guesses would probably have fallen quite short of the truth. They might have thought that it was some kind of spiritual energy or inspiration which they received from Jesus, from God. And we know that the Holy Spirit is even more than this, the third person, the Blessed Trinity, the love between the Father and the Son, who is sent um, by the Father and the Son to help us. And how precisely he helps us, while it's mysterious and hidden, it's a new way of God being present. Jesus was with us, God made man, the Word made flesh in our midst, in the flesh. 33 years. The Holy Spirit is God's presence in a different way, in our hearts, in our lives. But one of the Eucharistic prayers, the fourth Eucharistic prayer, gives us an interesting description of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Towards the end of the first passage 
of the Eucharistic prayer before the um, consecration. It's a, a long description of the history of uh, salvation. It says that Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit to bring to perfection his work on earth. To bring to perfection his work on earth. We might think surely Jesus' work was perfect, didn't need to be perfected by anybody. And that is of course true. But in another way, um, it did need to be perfected. It needed to be continued and brought to its fullness in our lives. Because Christ's work, in a certain sense, only begins on the cross at the resurrection. Now it has to bear fruit in the lives of the members of the church. So in a sense the church is uh, fulfilling, the Holy Spirit is bringing to perfection the um, work of Christ in a way that only he can do. In the life of the church, in the life of the saints, God is at work. One of the prefaces about the saints says that in honouring the saints, you're honouring God is honouring his, his own gifts. Because everything that the saints do is actually a grace from God, which they responded to and were able to make uh, bear fruit. On Monday we celebrate the Feast of Blessed Guadalupe for the first time after her beatification last year. It's the day um, when the Church honours uh, honors her. And Pope Francis, in the letter which he wrote to the Father on the occasion of the beatification in Madrid, Perhaps you were there, or perhaps you were watching it. Uh, he talks about what this holiness, which you find in the saints and in the blessed, of course, uh, as well, uh, means. And he explains that holiness means opening your heart to God and allowing him to transform us with his love. This is what the saints do, they, they receive the gifts that we were talking about 
they accept what God is uh, offering them, take it to heart and make it their own. And they allow God to transform them uh, with his love. To transform them into Christ. And in a certain sense to transform them into themselves. Because the saints are, if you like, the fullness of what a human being can be. They have a truly human greatness as well as a supernatural uh, greatness. And they never feel that by giving themselves to God or by opening themselves to God and allowing God to transform them that they've lost their life or that they've somehow been uh, diminished by this as human beings. Quite the opposite. All of the saints would, would figure that they are who they were really uh, meant to be. And Guadalupe, in uh, a lot of her letters uh, to St. Maria at the time, speaks in those terms. You know, that this is the way that I am. And this is, you know, I couldn't be otherwise than, than what I'm doing, doing Opus Dei. This, this is me. St. Paul similarly says, I live... But it's not I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. But when St. Paul says, it's not I who live, of course it's he who lives. He, he's living life to the full. He really is what he was truly meant to be. And, you know, in allowing Christ to live in him and live through him, St. Paul doesn't kind of think that he, he's losing out. And uh, those of us who you know, look at St. Paul now, uh, we realise this man was a total whirlwind and it came from within. It came from him and it came from God. This was who he really was. That was who Guadalupe really was. Herself. The things that she was doing. The way that she was um, developing the work in Mexico and Spain and Italy, wherever she was asked to, um, to go and lend a hand. This is what she was really happy to, to do this, to put herself into this. This is what happens to saints. And Pope Francis goes on in the letter uh, to say that, um, that this is still going on. Um, that um, God never abandons his church. We should thank him for this. Because... He never abandons the church, not even in the darkest moments. And with spousal love, he continues to inspire the exam examples of holiness in the church that bring beauty to her face. Fill us with hope and show us clearly the path we are to follow. Now, in some ways, we, we notice the difficulties that the church is going through the last number of years. It hasn't been the easiest for, for the church because of all kinds of problems and sins and scandals and what have you.
But God never abandons his church, even in the darkest moments. And he continues to inspire examples of holiness in the church, which bring beauty to her face, fill us with hope, and show us clearly the path we are to follow. Beauty. The way of beauty. Pope Benedict, Pope Francis have spoken a lot about this, how beauty is what can attract uh, people to, to God, to, to the faith. Because it's, it's non-threatening, it's something we all relate to, we all love beauty. And whether you think of a beautiful uh, hymn or some uh, beautiful Gothic cathedral, uh, which you just sort of see, gosh, th th this does reflect something extraordinary. But greater than any music and greater than any architecture is a human being, a holy person, a saint, which brings beauty to the church's face. Inspires us, fills us with love, because we can sense the closeness of God in the life of the saints. It's not just that they were great people who did wonderful things. There are lots and lots of people around who've done great things. But in, in the saints, it's, we don't, don't just admire them. What we really like about the saints probably is the fact that we feel God's presence uh, in them. And we like that. Even though we might feel we're very far away and we're pretty um, kind of low, lowly in comparison to them we're really attracted by the closeness of God, which we see in ordinary people, just like ourselves, who seem to have something. And it's not that they're better than us. They may not be in a lot of ways, or they may be exactly the same as us. That's not the point. Just they've allowed God to work through them. And, and this attracts us, fills us with love, and shows us concludes, shows us clearly the path to follow. You know, how often when you look at the life of a saint or hear something about a saint, you begin to think, I, I could try that. I could do that as well. We're, we're encouraged. We see that there is a real path here to follow. I mean, a path is a very attractive thing. Like if you're going, making your way through a, a forest or or something it's great to find a path that you're not just kind of picking away hoping this is the right way to go and suddenly you see a path and you know that you're on the right road to wherever you're you're making for and the, the saints some seem to be like that they, they show us that there is a path that we can follow it and if we do we'll get we'll get there in that letter uh, the Pope continues he says, with the joy that came from knowing she was a daughter of God, as she had learned from St. Maria himself, Guadalupe Ortiz placed her many human and spiritual qualities at the service of others. They she was able to place her, um, her qualities, her abilities at the service 
of other people, but with the joy that came from knowing she was a daughter of God, as she had learned from St. Maria. This is the important thing. Our Father used to say to us that the, the basis of the spirit of the work was not work or um, even humility. The basis of, it, of everything was divine filiation, the joy that comes from knowing that she was a daughter of God. That was at the heart of everything that she was doing. And like the saints are transparent, they you know they allow God's love and God's fatherly care to shine through because they sense they feel it in their own lives and, and they they pass this on to other people. I remember hearing once that um, the postulator of our father's cause, uh, Don Flavio uh, Capucci, was asked given that he knew so much about our father, about St. Josemaria, um, more than, well, more facts, I suppose, than anybody, perhaps, except for Don Alvaro and so on. But he, he was certainly up there. With, uh, he, he knew the man's life, all the ins and outs. And, and he was asked, well, what, what's, what did you take away from the cause of canonization? What sort of, what... what what struck you about St. Josemaria? Uh, and he, his reply was that what he felt that came across to him was just the, the closeness of God, that you could sense in, in St. Josemaria's life that God was close to us. He cared about us. He was with us. He wasn't a distant figure whom we had to please or we had to obey, but he was very close to us and, and with us in, in what we were doing. And that St. Josemaria reflected uh, this, came through uh, in his life. And that's, I suppose, what the saints do, like they, they reflect God's presence and God's love uh, to for, for them and as a result then for others as well. I, I remember reading a letter again that she wrote to um, to the Father, to St. Josemaria, uh, where she talks about how when she was doing her prayer she'd often be very drowsy and dozy and she'd find it quite hard. But she still loved our Lord a lot. And that was the main thing. That that you know, so even if she was sleepy, even if she was drowsy, she still felt that you know, she was loving God through um, through her prayer. Even if her big struggle was simply to stay awake, but that too could be a reflection of uh, loving God, of uh, trying to do things for Him. And I suppose that's goes back to this idea. She knew that she was a daughter of God. But he loved her even if she was sleepy. Uh, and she could love him back, even if she was uh, sleepy. It wasn't a case of what she did, but it was a case of just being there and being with God. And that's very much what a daughter or a son would think. You know, you don't have to prove anything to your to your father. Uh, it's not like that. 
and she didn't feel that she had to prove anything. She just loved God and the rest followed from there. The Pope continued then towards the end of his letter I encourage all the faithful of the prelature and all who take part in their apostolates always to aspire to this holiness of normality which burns within our hearts with the fire of Christ's love at which the world and the church are so in need of today. It's an interesting phrase to aspire to this holiness of normality. So, what does this mean? Well, I suppose it goes back to the, you know, try and place our qualities. Uh, human, uh, she placed her human and spiritual qualities, the Pope says, at the service of others. That we will simply place whatever we have to offer at the service of others and of God. Um, we may not have very much to offer, at least we may not think we have very much to offer, but that's not the point. The main thing is that we offer what we have to offer. Uh, uh, when Jesus spots the widow in the, um, in the temple, he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury, and he saw a poor widow put in two copper coins. And he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all the living that she had. Now I think there's two ways of looking at that. One way is, I suppose, the obvious one of thinking that she was so heroic. She gave everything that she had, the stress on the everything. She put in all the living that she had. And, but another way of looking at it, too, would be to say she put in everything that she had. Because that's what God was looking for. Um, not what we haven't, but what we have. And what we have may be very limited, and we may compare it to other people and think that, you know, I wish we were more talented or had more to give or more... I wish I were better at what I'm doing and so on and so forth. But the, the widow, she presumably saw all these rich people throwing in huge sums of money as well. But she threw in her two mites all the same, even though, well, what difference did they make? They obviously made quite a big difference and were very, very fruitful. Think of the five loaves and the, uh, the two fishes as well that um, Jesus took from the little boy and multiplied them so that thousands of people could be fed on the mountainside. And same with us, I mean what we have to offer um, may, be, may go much further than, than we think 
A lot more may depend on my giving the bit that I have. Um, and and uh, let's, well, let me then just give what I have to give when I can give it. And not worry too much about how much or how little it is. God can look after that. And he will. Finally, um, all of this fits in very nicely with the way we look at Our Lady. There's a brilliant homily given by Pope Benedict. The first year that he was Pope on the Feast of the Assumption, 15th of August in Castel Gandolfo. It's easy to find. And in that homily, he basically comments upon the Magnificat, the, the, the first word, the Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. And he, he says, Mary wanted God to be great in the world, great in her life and present among us all. She was not afraid that God might be a rival in our life, that with his greatness he might encroach upon uh, our freedom, our vital space. She knew that if God is great, we too are great. Our life is not oppressed by God's presence, by opening the door, as the Pope put it, you know, letting God work. Um, our life is not oppressed, but raised and expanded. It is precisely then that it becomes great in the splendour of God. Even humanly speaking, our lives become um, greater. So that seems to be a very good attitude. Um, Pope Benedict says that our parents thought the contrary. They feared that if God were too great, he would take something away from their lives. He says it's also the temptation of the modern age of the past three or four centuries. More and more people have thought and said, but God uh, restricts the space in our lives with his commandments. So God has to disappear and become distant so that we may be autonomous and independent. Without this God, we ourselves would be gods and do as we pleased. It's a temptation that's always there, I suppose, of autonomy, of forgetting that actually it's God who gave us that autonomy and wants us to be free and wants us to use that gift of freedom to the full because he needs friends. He doesn't need slaves or people, yes men, who do whatever, uh, yes sir, no sir. No, it's he, he, he wants friends and really, he really means that. Uh, he needs friends who are free. And we've been meditating a lot with the Father's help and those letters about freedom and friendship uh, precisely. So let's finish by asking Our Lady to, to give us the same kind of spirit, to be ready to have a go, to throw everything we've got 
be it little or a lot, into the adventure of the redemption. Uh, not fearing that in any, we lose anything by doing that, knowing that in fact that will be the real happiness, the real fulfilment which God wants us to have. I give you thanks, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you for help to put them into effect. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.